This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. It's so much more than postpartum depression. We raise the volume on all of these topics in the hopes that someday everyone will have the support and info that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. We are bringing you another awesome episode of the Mom and Mind podcast. In this episode, we are talking with Jen McClellan, a published author, speaker, and founder of Plus Size Birth, and now of the Plus Mommy podcast. Plus Size Birth is a premier resource for all things plus size pregnancy. With over 4 million page views, Jen is passionate about plus size pregnancy, sharing tips on embracing your body and navigating the bumps along the road of motherhood. Through her Plus Mommy podcast and other social media outlets, she seeks to create an environment of acceptance and to end the stigma surrounding plus size pregnancy with education, support, and a sense of humor. She is a certified childbirth educator, wife, and mother to a charismatic eight-year-old. And we're going to touch on some really important points in this episode, like some of the ways that being a plus-size mom might affect mental wellness during pregnancy or postpartum, some issues around stigma or misconceptions, both just in general and also with medical providers, and how we can better support plus-size moms during their pregnancy, birth, and postpartum experience. Jen really shares some amazing insight and some statistics on things that we should all be thinking about more closely and how we can be better supporting plus size moms to have the happy, healthy pregnancy that they want and deserve. So let's jump in and meet Jen. Welcome, Jen. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I am very happy to chat with you today and discuss a topic that you're passionate about and that I think a lot of people need to learn more about, which is what life is like as a plus size mom and how to help support moms who may be going through pregnancy and postpartum. And yeah, so I'd love to pick your brain on ways that you think do that better. Absolutely. Great. So yeah, to start off with just letting us know about the work that you do. Sure. I think it's helpful to hear just a real quick way of how I got into it. We all have a little story. In 2010, I found out I was pregnant and went online because I think that's a natural that we do now. Mm -hmm. You find out you're pregnant and jump on the internet. Mm -hmm. 
only existing in a larger body. I read that I would develop gestational diabetes. I would have a cesarean section. And thanks to the comment sections, that mm. I was a really horrible person for wanting to become a mother as a mm. fat woman. Mm. And it was just like, that. it's not how I've lived my whole life existing in a larger body. Like, this isn't the narrative. This isn't the story that I wanted to have. And I went on to have a completely healthy pregnancy. I gave birth on my knees. It was this experience that not only transformed me into a mother, but also really changed forever how I perceived my body. Mm-hmm. I used to think I believed a lot of the messages that society puts out into the world when you exist in a larger body that you're mm-hmm. broken, you're unworthy, you're undesirable, and fed into a lot of it, pun intended. Mm-hmm. But it helped to break that cycle, and I wanted to tell my story. So in April of 2011, I started a blog, having no idea what it was to be a blogger. <laughs> and it took off because back then this conversation wasn't really happening in social media. And it just became this mass community of people saying, hey, yeah, we are pregnant or we're becoming pregnant and we want positive resources on how to have a healthy experience. And so I got certified as a childbirth educator and did all the things and has led me seven years later to, you know, my website plus size birth has gotten over 4 million hits now. I mean, this is um, my life. And it came from me saying, you know what, I couldn't have been the first person to have a healthy outcome and be treated great by care providers. Like we need to change this narrative. Hmm. Yes. I guess my assumption when you say that is that a lot of people aren't treated well by healthcare providers. Sadly, no. I mean, I hear countless stories of mistreatment from little snide comments to Mm -hmm. women being told their vagina is too fat to birth their baby. What? Yes. Oh my gosh. These things are having talk about, you know, how that impacts someone's mental health. It Mm -hmm. doesn't just correlate to how you might think your ability to birth a baby. It Mm -hmm. also changes how you think about your body, how you feel about intimacy with your partner when you've been Mm -hmm. told by a care provider that your vagina is too fat, which that's not even a medical thing. It's very frustrating. Right. So since 2011, you've been really supporting a lot of moms. I bet you've heard quite a few stories about how moms have been treated well and not through the process of pregnancy and birth. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there are some wonderful stories and then, you know, some not so good stories like that. That vagina one, it always stands out to me as well as, you know, women of size on their first prenatal visit being told they must have a cesarean birth just because of their size. Mm. And these aren't even evidence-based. And what I've found is it so impacts people's mental health Mm -hmm. to be told that their body is incapable of doing things that smaller size bodies are, which yes, when you are plus size and pregnant, there are some increased risks, but just because there are increased risks doesn't mean you'll automatically incur them. And if we look at statistically, most people do go on to have a healthy pregnancy and a positive outcome. And one factor that I found that really plays a role in that is connecting with a size-friendly care provider. Mm -hmm. Even if someone has a birth outcome that they didn't necessarily want to have, maybe that was a cesarean birth, if they felt supported by their care provider, they look back on their birth as something really positive. Mm. 
I mean, that makes so much sense. Right. <laughs> um, it's relatively simple, but apparently not always that easy to do for some care providers or to find a care provider who is size friendly. Yeah, that's the tough one is finding someone who is going to support you and not look at you as just a number on the scale. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's the first thing they do when you walk into a doctor's office anyways, but definitely during pregnancy too, they're constantly weighing you and giving you all kinds of information about, you know, what you should do and what you shouldn't do specifically related to weight. Yeah. You know, I can share some tips there around weight because I think that I know that weight is triggering for people of mm -hmm. all sizes and yeah. people of all sizes have battled with eating disorders as well. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to note, not just during prenatal care, but for mm -hmm. a care throughout the rest of your life, you have options when it comes to the scale. You can let people know in advance Hey, I don't want to know my weight. Please don't say it out loud. You can stand backwards on the scale. I mean, maybe you might feel a little silly, but you're not looking at the number. You're not tempted to, and they're still able to chart. And then you absolutely have the right to say, you know what? I don't want to be weighed. Now that might get some pushback, especially during prenatal care, but that is your right as a mentally competent adult. There you go. I mean, that is right. Again, very, very simple. But I think because we've all been conditioned that this is, you know, what you do, we just do it sometimes without thinking. Yeah, I like the, hey, I don't want to know the number. Please don't say it out loud. It can be tricking towards sure. me. Or just, or just, I don't want to say the number. Don't say yeah. it out loud. Right, right. So can you speak a little bit more to the kind of stigma and misconceptions that either healthcare providers have or in part on women, or that society in general has about pregnancy and birth, and maybe postpartum too, or plus-size moms? Definitely. I mean, there's this assumption that we can't have healthy outcomes, which isn't true. There's this assumption that we will automatically incur gestational diabetes. I hear that from moms, not only from their loved ones, saying, oh, do you have gestational diabetes yet? but also from care providers too. Mm -hmm. Some care providers testing people beyond twice. It's common for people of size to be tested early, very early on in pregnancy to see if they're already pre-diabetic or diabetic. And then further along when everyone's tested closer to that 24 week mark. But then I've heard stories where people, even though they pass both of those tests, are then tested monthly moving forward with no evidence to support that, just a mm -hmm. care provider assumption that you should have developed gestational diabetes. And when we actually look at the research, we really only see about 15% of people with a higher BMI incur gestational diabetes. And that's something that people of all sizes can get. But right. there's this assumption when you hear 15%, you're like, oh, no way. But yes, the studies show that. But we have this societal belief that it goes hand in hand. Hmm. So that's right. one big one that stands out to me. Yeah. Wow. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go. And that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Uliana Ortube. And she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. 
I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. When I give talks to care providers and birth professionals, I say, let's change the language, right? Language matters in the way we talk to people. We need to talk about increased risk, but why don't we say you have, you know, an 85% chance of not developing gestational diabetes. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about nutrition. Let's talk about physical activity. Let's frame these conversations in a positive way. So people Mm -hmm. feel empowered to make healthy choices, as opposed to feeling like, well, if my care provider assumes I'm going to get it, then I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. I mean, as you're talking through these examples of the misconceptions, I'm thinking about the mom who's hearing all of this and just, you know, I'm assuming every time there's some discussion with her, with a care provider, or maybe just getting it from other people around her and how that might wear on her emotionally. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can't open up a pregnancy magazine and see a person of size smiling, right? There are no commercials of pregnant people of size. When I also give a talk, I have uh, screen clips of multiple covers of pregnancy magazines. And Mm -hmm. I say, look, only thin Caucasian women become pregnant. (laughs) Right. Because that is what society tells us. Mm -hmm. Society also tells us that you will only have a smooth, perfectly round D-shaped belly with Mm -hmm. no stretch marks. I Mm -hmm. mean, and Mm -hmm. that is not true for most people. But when you have a plus size pregnancy, you're usually going to have a belly that's shaped far more like a B than a D. Mm -hmm. And that's normal, but it doesn't feel normalized. And that's a lot of the work that I do is sharing images Mm, of people who are plus size and pregnant. Because I feel like when you see someone who looks like you and they're smiling, Mm -hmm. it really helps you to feel better in your own body. Right. Right. I mean, those images of sort of thin white women are so, so pervasive. I recall even just personally after the birth of my daughter and my son that when I saw people walking around who had just had babies and were thin, I was like, how did that happen? Like, how does that happen? It didn't compute to me because that wasn't my experience. And for a long time was like, wow, I guess like people do experience that, that they just have these really, really thin bodies the whole time. 
It just so was not part of my reality and, you know, didn't see anybody like me, you know, represented anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I was so thankful of Kate Middleton, you know, came out with her, you know, postpartum belly showing Mm -hmm. that you don't just give birth and then have a flat tummy regardless of size. And that that was so helpful for everyone to see. And I saw women everywhere cheering like, Mm -hmm. yay, the reality of postpartum for many bodies. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's not this um, snap, jump back, whatever. I don't even know what they call it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. No, like get your pre-baby body back. I'm sorry. Your body will never go back to how it was before, regardless of size. You grew a tiny human. If you Mm -hmm. were so thin going into this, your bones have stretched in ways Mm -hmm. that were probably far more painful than a person my size Mm -hmm. experienced pregnancy. We all have these shifts that change us forever, but they make us mothers. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate that about, you know, what you do and your message too, is that exactly that you can have and do have healthy, happy pregnancies and births, regardless of your size. You don't have to be that magazine cover person to have that experience. And even if you do incur risks, like people of all sizes do, and we need to beat ourselves up less mm-hmm. and love on ourselves more, right? Absolutely. So it's taking those steps. And I will share, you know, with postpartum, specifically for women of size and for those who have larger breasts, I experienced this and I've heard so many stories of loved ones or even nurses watching a person breastfeed and say, oh, you're going to smother your baby. And my own mother said this to me and she didn't mean it the way it comes across, but Mm -hmm. my goodness, then I was terrified to nurse. And for someone who might be having some postpartum mental health struggles or postpartum anxiety, and then to be told Mm -hmm. that while breastfeeding, which look, we could have a whole episode on how hard breastfeeding is and the, Mm -hmm. you know, mental health impact of that. But it just plays such a big role in oh, I'm different and I'm going to do the wrong thing. And it's so hard. So really, we've seen studies that show people of size connecting with an IBCLC, which is the highest level of training for a lactation consultant, Mm -hmm. having that continuous care throughout, if you want to nurse, even before you give birth to postpartum, can really improve breastfeeding outcomes. And then also give you the confidence to be like, no, you know, babies don't get smothered from breastfeeding. That's mm-hmm. not how it works. Right, right. So that's another massive misconception for postpartum. What are other misconceptions you've heard about either birth or postpartum? Well, birth again, you know, that you can't have a vaginal birth, that people of size will automatically have a cesarean, which, you know, statistically, it's a much higher percentage. But I firmly believe that care provider bias mm-hmm. plays a role in how those outcomes occur of really not believing in a person's ability to give birth. And that plays a huge role in how someone perceives their body and their mental health. And, you know, again, going back to that, working with a size friendly care provider, hiring a doula to support you can be a really great benefit and also play a role with your mental health. I want to speak a little bit more to even body image Mm -hmm. during pregnancy. Like I mentioned before, not seeing images of yourself, but there's another layer to that of people not realizing that you're pregnant when you're Mm -hmm. plus size. And 
and that can be really, really hard. So it's not really a misconception, but it's something that's very internalized. Sure. So people of size feel that mm-hmm. no one realizes that they're pregnant. If you're mm-hmm. on a bus, no one stands up for you, mm-hmm. but they'll stand up for other people. And that can be really, really emotionally hard. I had a woman write a guest post and she titled it My Invisible Plus Size Pregnancy. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. So finding ways to celebrate your pregnancy, loving on your belly, wearing shirts that are like the baby doll shirts that are tighter in the chest area and then flow out tend to make you look more pregnant. If you have a B-shaped belly, wearing a plus size belly band to kind of smooth out that belly and making sure that your loved ones, you know, encourage them to touch your belly because most often you don't have strangers coming up to you. And maybe that's annoying and you don't want that. But for many people, that is a part of a normal pregnancy experience. Mm -hmm. And often when you're plus size, it's just not the same. Right. So that's really about being sort of validated and seen as being a pregnant person. Yeah. I really encourage people to take maternity photos. That's one of the biggest regrets I hear from Mm -hmm. people is that they didn't have maternity photos taken, which sounds like something so small, but it's actually something really big because it's such a regret that they hold on to that they didn't appreciate their body while they were pregnant. Mm, Right. And I'm assuming that part of that is because of the kind of societal mirroring that other people aren't acknowledging them either. Yeah. And I encourage people, you know, take those photos, but you don't have to put them on social media. Nothing says that you have to put them out into the world, but not only do you want them for yourself, but your kids are going to want to see pictures of you pregnant with them. Mm -hmm. They are. And so that's so important. So whether you are a person of size or support people of size, I hope you listen to just normalizing the pregnancy experience for larger bodies goes such a huge, huge way and helping someone to feel better about themselves during pregnancy, which plays a huge role in their mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then with, with postpartum, you know, your body doesn't shift often as much as, you know, like I remember getting pregnant and having my son at the same time as two of my smaller moms and boy, I was smaller after I gave birth. And then they had that pregnancy pouch for a long time. So there can sometimes be this high of, oh, well, now my body is so much smaller. And then your body starts to balance out again. And weight gain can often occur. And that can be really emotionally hard, too. I mean, we've talked about weight and how it can play such a role. And during pregnancy, for anyone who's lost a significant amount of weight before getting pregnant, that often comes right back on during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And that can be very emotionally difficult. So right. I think it's so important if you have the means and the ability to connect with a therapist mm-hmm. and process through all of these feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. That's so important during postpartum. We know that people of size have higher incidences of postpartum depression. So connecting with a therapist is so, so important too. Right. Yeah. And if you can continue a little bit more and speak to other types of either therapists or just people who are supporting a mom, what are other things that we can be aware of in terms of just their emotional well-being that we either might not assume or might not think about that someone who is a plus-size mom might be dealing with? 
Yeah, I'll speak specifically real quick to providers. I think as we talked about language matters before, the language when we use, when we talk about people in regards to their body size is really important. A lot of care providers use the word obese really freely, but that's a very triggering word for most people of size. I surveyed a hundred people and like only two people said that they were okay with being called obese. And I wanted to ask them, but it was an anonymous survey, you know, like, you know, so being mindful of the language, you know, not everyone who we might view as existing in a larger body feels that they do. So listening to the language that people use, and if you do need to talk to someone specifically about their body size, plus size tend to be the overall words that people were the most comfortable with. But I think overall, people just want to feel normal. They want to Mm -hmm. feel that they are having the same pregnancy and postpartum experience of anybody else. So just normalizing those experiences. You know, we do have a higher cesarean birth rate for people of size and cesarean recovery can be much harder. I mean, major abdominal surgery is not the optimal outcome when you are a person of size. So you have a much higher rate of having infection and recovering with having a larger belly can be difficult. So, you know, that can be really emotionally hard for the person who is going through this. And then to have these postpartum expectations that we all feel Mm -hmm. already placed upon us and then to also recovering from major surgery. So I think just being aware that people of size face additional hurdles, but we want to be treated and validated like everyone else. We just might need a little extra support, but don't need to be reminded that we need it because of our size. Right. I mean, there's this like kind of, I guess it's like a fat shaming, but from doctors who, and I've seen this from both medical doctors, not all the time, but also just people in general who feel like it's their job to make sure you know that, you know, you're overweight or you're size or whatever. And it's maddening. Yeah, no one doesn't. So entitled. Yeah, no one doesn't know that they exist in a larger body. We don't need to be told. We're already quite aware of that. And, you know, that's a good point when we talk about, I always refer people to work with a nutritionist during pregnancy, but work with a size-friendly nutritionist. I hear stories from people whose care providers say, oh, you really need to cut out your Coke habit. And they're like, I don't drink soda. Like, is it just really The minute you make an assumption Mm -hmm. about a person, that's the minute their walls go straight up. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that you know for certain when you look at a larger person is that they exist in a larger body. You can't tell what they eat. You can't tell how active they are. Mm -hmm. You can't tell if they suffer from any mental health struggles. Like all you can tell is that they are larger. So we need to meet people where they are at with Mm -hmm. respect and compassion. Yeah. Can you say that again? <laughs> sure. I, I just really want people to hear your point. Yeah. You, this, the only thing that you can tell by looking at someone of size is that they are a person of size. That's it. Mm-hmm. So meet them where they are at with respect and compassion and treat them just like you would any other patient. If things come up along about their weight or you need to address specific issues about their weight, then do it from a place of compassion, not a place of shaming. We know that shaming actually doesn't work. There have been studies that show, I mean, we've had to do scientific studies to show that when a care provider shames a person of size, 
they are more likely to gain weight and less likely to receive routine medical care. Right. And that is incredibly important, especially during the perinatal period. Oh, yes, Um, yes. You know, I know that people avoid going to the doctor or, you know, at least have anxiety about going. And you were speaking to getting on the scale earlier, but that's a barrier for some people. Or everything is related back to their weight. You know, a lot of people of size have underlying medical conditions that have nothing to do with their size. Mm -hmm. And yet they don't receive the care they actually need because everything is blamed on their size. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, thinking through the mental health impacts of this, I mean, I would just assume it's pervasive that people are, you know, if they are routinely being shamed by people around them or medical providers, how that might impact their stress levels, how that might impact their anxiety, feelings of depression, or even adding into the narratives that some people feel that that they're not good enough or that, you know, and any of those things where we're already stressed out and then somebody else is adding on their very strong opinions is a place where we would feel vulnerable and might start to feel worse. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it all adds up so quickly, right? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. You can have someone say an offhanded comment during your birth where they don't think that it's a big deal, but you've been hearing these comments for years and that's right. just the trigger. And then it happens at one of the most vulnerable times in your life. And then can truly trigger, you know, some postpartum depression because you're trying to recover, your hormones are all out of whack, and then you're feeling ashamed of your body, you're concerned about breastfeeding, and you're told that maybe you're smothering your baby, or you're struggling with breastfeeding, and everyone tells you, oh, you have large breasts, you'll be able to breastfeed no matter what. Or you're larger and you don't have large breasts, and people make comments about your body, like... The odds are stacked up against you, and it's really frustrating, and it's really hard. But I'll tell you what, there is such power in community and support Mm -hmm. and having that one care provider that looks you in the eye and says, your body is incredible. That can change a person's entire life. And it happened for me Mm -hmm. because I went from care under an OBGYN that was the standard 15 minutes to hiring a doula that was like, oh, you want a natural childbirth? You should consider the midwifery model of care. And I went and switched to a midwife. And my midwife was the first care provider to ever touch my body with compassion. And I was 30 years old. Mm. It was the first time I realized that I shouldn't be afraid going to the doctor, Mm -hmm. that I deserved a care provider who would treat me with compassion. Mm -hmm. And that changed me forever. I no longer will tolerate care providers who treat me subpar. Awesome. And it's so important. But that midwife, you know, gave me the power to believe in myself because she believed in me before I did. And my story is not unique. There are so many positive and wonderful stories I hear in my community from that one care provider, that one therapist, that one nutritionist that just looked at them and treated them just like a wonderful, normal human being Mm -hmm. and said, I believe in you and your body and your ability. That's awesome. And again, these are like so simple the concepts are very simple and easy to like wrap your head around. Like, of course that makes sense that that would be empowering for you or for anybody who, who, you know, that they're receiving validation, but it is so ingrained in our culture to 
sort of be negative or to not empower, I guess. It seems like the other negative stuff is what happens most often. It's still Um, socially mm -hmm. acceptable to shame people of size, right? Throughout our culture, we've come a long way. And I think that we are coming further. And there's been a great Mm -hmm. shift with, you know, the fat positive movement. And now it's the body positive movement. But now Mm -hmm. the body positive movement has been co-opted by, you know, fitness pros and weight loss industry as opposed to, uh, you know, I talk throughout my work of the importance of nutrition and the importance of being physically active, but not with the end goal being weight loss. The end goal is health because when we talk about weight loss mm-hmm. to a person of size, A, it can be really triggering, and B, yeah. we now know that 96% of diets don't work. Dieting right. does not work, which is why it's a billion-dollar industry yeah. because uh, yeah. everyone fails. So we're really setting people up for failure when we have those conversations. Mm -hmm. But pregnancy is such a time to talk to someone about nutrition Mm -hmm. and physical activity in a way that isn't stigmatized, in a way that's like, hey, let's eat really great nutritious foods to fuel our baby and our bodies because they taste good and they make us feel good. Mm -hmm. Right. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Right. Absolutely. I mean, there are so many great and amazing points in there that you just made. And I hope that people can really hear that, how this has just been woven into our culture to have this, like the diet culture is everywhere. 
and the movement towards health at every size is really, really where it's at right now. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Health at every size. And if we approach people in that Mm -hmm. manner, that you can be healthy at any size, people are more apt to listen to the advice that you are giving them. Mm -hmm. Right. Because again, shaming doesn't work, doesn't help. And all of these things Mm -hmm. relate back to a person's mental health. Absolutely. We haven't fully focused on mental health because that's your expertise, not mine. But every single thing that we've talked about directly impacts the way someone feels about themselves and their mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, to your point, I mean, just really, I think for us to be able to understand how all of this affects people's mental health is we have to understand what the misconceptions are. We have to understand what the stigmas are and the pressure that is being put on people. Those are the underlying mechanisms that cause high levels of stress and cause anxiety and contribute to anxiety and contribute to depression. And once we understand these mechanisms, like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm thinking of the person who's listening right now that has maybe not ever thought about a perspective of a plus size mom and or what they might have to deal with with healthcare providers and nursing and these sorts of things that now that person out there knows that, oh my gosh, these are the things that they might be struggling with. This is where people learn how to be compassionate because now they have information. They're not going based just off of misconceptions and stigmas and, you know, going along with like, you know, saying what their neighbor said and saying what everybody says. Now you have a deeper understanding and you can approach a plus size mom with compassion and understanding. Well, and I think it's really important to work through your own personal bias. We all come into our care with biases, right? Mm -hmm. So ask yourself, if you're a professional working with people of size, you know, what judgments do I make when I see a person of size? And work through that, man. Like, you know, we are all going to have our biases. But if you're willing to do the hard work and examine your biases and work through them and Go back to like, hey, you know, all I can tell by looking at them is that they are larger. Why am I assuming that, you know, society has told me they're just sitting on the couch and doing nothing? Well, hey, I'll tell you people of all sizes are doing 5Ks and 10Ks and whatever it is. I mean, we place this stereotype upon larger bodies and we expect them to live up to it. And it's really, really difficult existing in a larger body and wanting to do things like enjoy going to the gym, only it's really, really hard to find workout clothes and sports bras in my size, right? Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. they're not made. Thankfully, they're being made now more because there's such a demand and people are speaking up and being like, hey, you know, stop badgering on me to go work out. I want to work out, but I want to do it comfortably. Mm -hmm. So can I have some cute yoga pants too? You know, we all need to be supporting one another. I mean, you're right. You've said no multiple times. These are just basic things. They are. But, but when you exist in a larger body, it's different. Like I will walk into a doctor's office and many times there isn't a place for me to sit comfortably because all of the chairs have arms. So Mm -hmm. what that tells me is that I am not welcome Mm -hmm. and be mindful of that. That's something I really talk about when I, you know, address care providers is like, look in your lobby. Do you Mm -hmm. have a place for people to sit comfortably? I mean, Mm -hmm. it sounds so simple and basic, but it's something that unless you've existed in a larger body or are a person with different abilities, you've probably never even thought of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that in. And I know on your website and also on your podcast, you talk about any and all of these things on the plus size birth.com and then the plus mommy podcast. 
Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that and the kind of topics sure. you touch on there? After, you know, blogging and public speaking and doing all the work I've done around plus size birth for so long, I've grown this really mass community called Plus Mommy because, you know, plus size birth doesn't have a community ring to it, but Plus Mommy is fun. And I, you know, my son's eight now too. So while pregnancy and birth and advocating for people of size around maternity care and will always be a passion of mine, I'm more into the mom motherhood. And so I wanted to kind of branch out. So I started the Plus Mommy podcast in May. And I still, of course, have topics around plus size pregnancy. But I've addressed more things like, you know, fat shaming and skinny shaming and the, you know, flying well fat and all these topics that, you know, us experience, but we don't talk about and sharing people's stories and sharing postpartum stories that have been a lot of people talking about postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression and normalizing those experiences, which I think Mm -hmm. has been really, really powerful. That's awesome. Really, really fantastic. And I know that podcast is growing quickly too, because, you know, people need to be heard and seen out in the world and you've created some really great platforms for people to feel included. Thank you, Kat. And I appreciate the work that you're doing, man. I am like, the champion of any time someone's like, I'm struggling. I'm like, therapy, go to therapy's office. Like, go, go, run. Like, (laughs) I, you know, I was seeing a therapist to finally process through my own pregnancy loss that I hadn't been dealing with. And Mm -hmm. I was doing, you know, Instagram lives afterwards, you know, just little snippets just saying like, hey, like I'm facing this scary stuff and it's scary, but I feel so much better after doing this Mm -hmm. and you can do it too. So that's Mm -hmm. something that has always been important to me throughout my work is just sharing, being transparent Mm -hmm. because, you know, when I gave birth all those years ago, there weren't very many positive plus size pregnancy stories on the internet. Mm -hmm. And now it's flooded. And I think that that's wonderful. So if I can be like, Hey, you know, like I'm going to therapy, I'm doing all the things and, and you can do all the things too. I'm more than willing to share every piece of myself, including my postpartum body. I've done Mm -hmm. that quite a bit. If it helps someone else to feel less alone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where it's at, right? We all want to feel heard and seen and included. Nobody wants to feel shamed and, you know, made to feel like they're less than. And I just, so for that reason, I think your work is beautiful. And also, I mean, we talked about some of the difficulties that come up for plus size moms, but there's so much, so many hopeful messages in here too. Can you restate a couple of those for us? Oh, you know, absolutely. For the Providers listening, just know that if you can make a positive impact, whether it's just a simple statement of support, like that trickles down and it Mm -hmm. makes a huge impact in how someone feels about themselves and it can impact them like it did for me for the rest of their lives. So treating people of all sizes like human beings, but just giving that extra compassion can be so transformative for that person. And, you know, for the moms listening, like your body is amazing. Mm -hmm. It really is incredible. And if you can tap into the strength of your body and the belief in your body, Mm -hmm. it can really change how you feel about yourself and how your kids model their own self-esteem for the rest of both of your lives. Ah, that's super powerful and absolutely essential. 
Yes. Right. That's beautiful. If we can empower ourselves and be kind to ourselves, gosh, right? How beautiful is that for our children? Yes. And you're not alone. I mean, the Plus Mommy Facebook group is over 177,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a big community. And I love Instagram because there's a lot less drama there. So Plus Mommy on Instagram is over <laughs> 15,000. And it's just like, there's a lot of people coming together and saying, hey, I don't deserve to be mistreated just because Mm -hmm. of my size. I don't have to hate my body or myself any longer. Like I am going to celebrate myself today because I'm pretty amazing and I am not going to tolerate these societal messages that I'm not good enough because I am good enough. Yes. Amen to all of that. That that is awesome. Thank you so much for all of those beautiful messages. I really hope that everyone out there can hear this and really take this in and understand really what's at the core is that we need to be treating each other with respect and compassion always. Always. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you so much, Jen, for coming on. And I'm excited to have everyone check out your website and your podcast. Well, thank you truly for all the work that you do. And it's so important that we continue to break down the stigmas around people of size and mental health and postpartum. So Amazing. (laughs) Thanks. You're amazing. Thank you. Take care. Thank you again, Jen, so much for your passion and all of this information that you shared with us. I really, really hope that everyone who's listening today can take this in and really consider, just like she said, understanding your biases and how you might be interacting with a plus size mom. If you'd like to get connected with Jen and the work she's doing, please go to plussizebirth.com or plusmommy.com. And on social media, you can find her on Facebook at Plus Mommy Blog and Instagram at Plus Mommy. For those of you who are listening, please share this with somebody who might benefit from having this support, both this episode and the whole podcast. Please, if this is your first time joining us on the Mom in Mind podcast, feel free to subscribe and listen to each of our episodes that drop weekly or pick and choose the ones that resonate for you. We welcome you to join us on Facebook at Mom in Mind Podcast or Instagram at Mom in Mind. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.